You are now listening to Hack My Age, the show that brings you guests with information on how to make yourself hard to kill and help you live to 100 and beyond in good condition. I'm your host, Zora Benamou, a digital nomad currently stuck in Spain, certified sports nutrition coach and master student of gerontology at USC. I am the creator of the Longevity Master Plan, an online program to slow aging and author of the cookbook, Eating for Longevity. Don't forget to subscribe to the podcast and leave a review to help others find us too. Well, hello, age disruptors. Today I'm recording this podcast with a live studio audience and all of you attending this recording are members of the Hack My Age VIP program. And part of being in this cool club is the ability to dial in and watch the interviews as they're recorded and ask your own questions. And this is a new format. So if you want to check out how to be a part of this, go to patreon.com forward slash hack my age. So let's get to this incredible woman who has been in my ear for the last six months, Dr. Mindy Pels. She's in my ear because I love her podcast, The Resetter Podcast. And I've been pretty much binge listening to all of them. Uh, As well, I just finished reading her book, The Menopause Reset. So you can guess where I am. And not only is Dr. Mindy a best-selling author and podcaster, but she's a keynote speaker, nutrition and functional medicine expert and spent over 20 years of her life helping thousands of people reclaim their health. And everyone knows her as a leader in the alternative health space. And she's a real pioneer in the fasting movement, especially for women. And she teaches the principles of a fasting lifestyle, diet variation, detox and hormones, and just so much more. And she's also got an amazing YouTube channel where she has loaded a ton of videos over the years that not only explain the latest science and research, but she also gives us really practical tools that we can all use. And there are over 250,000 people subscribed with millions of views. So there's something here, guys. Uh, Dr. Mindy has a new book that we're going to talk about today called The Menopause Reset, but she's also got two other best-selling books, The Reset Factor and The Reset Kitchen. So it's, it's a true honor to have this brilliant woman with us today. So without further ado, meet Dr. Mindy. Welcome. Oh, thank you. I'm excited to be here. Well, we are on a journey of menopause and everyone listening here probably is either premenopausal or going through it. And I'm so excited that you're in our world to share everything that you've learned. But before we dive into the book, I want to know a little bit more about you because you are from the Bay Area, or this this means um, San Francisco area for people who are not in the U.S. And you started out with a practice as a chiropractor, and now you're in the biohacking space, an expert on hormonal health and fasting. And how did you move from chiropractor to one of the most influential women in, in wellness? What I did is I followed like what I call the breadcrumbs of what people needed. And when I started in practice 25 years ago, I was like, just, I don't want to say just a chiropractor, but I was adjusting people doing like a lot of structural work. And about five years into practice, I noticed people weren't healing the same way they used to heal before. It was like, there was something shifting in the human body. 
And I started to look around and notice that we had more toxins in our environment, more toxins in our food. People were showing up into my office with multiple health problems. Like it was almost like the human body was shifting as our environment was shifting. And so I had to move away from just structural care and start to make diet recommendations and, and supplement recommendations and detox rep recommendations because the world had changed so dramatically. And fast forward to 25 years, I'm here now really talking about menopause, women's hormones and fasting because the largest consequence of all the physical, emotional and chemical toxins in our environment is happening to women and it's happening to our hormones. So it was really kind of like an evolu evolutionary like necessity. I needed to lean into what women needed and not and shy away a bit from my roots so that I could start to support people at a deeper level. So most of your clients are women and you were seeing this only with women or do you see it with men as well? It's a really good question, but we see it mostly with women. I would say men are not as susceptible to the environmental changes that are happening in the world. Doesn't mean that men should be excluded, but with women, here's the challenge that we have is that hormone uh, toxins are going to greatly affect uh, our brain, our ovaries, our adrenals, our thyroid. This, these become magnets for toxins. So men, you know, they don't have the hormonal swings that we are the hormonal. And when I say hormonal swings, I don't mean like emotional, but they not, they're not going through the same hormonal fluctuations as we do. Estrogen dominance became an issue because of all the fragrances that were in the world going on. We started seeing women that were struggling to even use the estrogen that she was creating as she was going through menopause because of all the antibiotics and the glyphosate that was happening and damaging the gut. So as I started to like scratch the surface and look deeper, it just is glaring at me that the modern world has set women up for health failure. And then when a woman's hurting or suffering, she isn't given a unique approach back to health. Our medical care system is very cookie cutter. It's very male dominated. It's medications like your thyroid medication hasn't ever been tested on women, let alone a menopausal woman. It was like each step I took, I just uncovered more and more. And that's when I was like, women need help. We got to help women. That's so, so amazing that you've done this. I'm so grateful because you're not only helping the women in your practice, but through your podcast, you're sharing all of this. And so many times women feel alone, you know, how many have gone to the doctor and they've just given them a pill and say, go home and take an antidepressant or something. And there's so much more to it. And this has been a request for, from me as well in my space is, Everyone wants to know more about hormones. Everyone wants more about menopause. And that's why I found you. Yeah. Awesome. <laughs> yeah. Share this. So thank goodness you're here and, and able to help so many. And I want, I want people to learn about your book too, because I just, as I mentioned earlier, as we just started is I explained to you that I got it about a month ago and I, things life happened, couldn't get to it till like three days ago. I'm in a panic. Oh my gosh, I got to read Dr. Mindy's book before the podcast. And I read it in three hours. I was amazing. I was so, so pleasantly surprised because it was so 
simple, so easy, and so practical. And I highly recommend everyone just get this book right now. I got it online. You know, I'm in Spain, so <laughs> to get it delivered, you know, would have been questionable. But yes, just download it now, guys. And it, it will literally, it's like a guidebook, a manual. And I love how you give lots of practical examples of some of your clients. I mean, this is, this is the real world of what you're doing. So what is the reason you wrote this book and made such a practical guide for us? It warms my heart when you say you can pick the book up and read it in three hours, because, you know, a book is, is not good if it just sits on your shelf. And I have plenty of those that are sitting out. So I wanted to create a book and menopausal women, one of the things we deal with is brain fog. So the last thing I need to do is write a big manual that women are like, oh, I'll get to that someday. So I love the simplicity in which you experience that book. So that's awesome. It really was my menopausal journey. And the short version of a very long story was at 40, I had one goal for myself and that was to fit in my skinny jeans And I had like a number on the scale I wanted to see and how I got there was by exercising a whole bunch and eating less. That was my plan. So I come flying into 40. I'm all excited about my skinny jeans, the number on the scale. By 43, I was a hormonal hot mess. I was not sleeping. I had hot flashes. Um, I started to get that hormonal belly like that was that a lot of women get. I was anxious, depressed, and I I literally felt like someone had hijacked my brain and my body. So I went searching for answers and I got two responses. I got either from my older friends, I got, you know, they kind of put their arms around me and were like, buck up, you're in menopause. This is what we've all been going through. And then I got the other answer, which is, oh yeah, this is the time of life where you need to get on antidepressants. You need to think about HRT, like you got to medicate menopause. So I didn't like either of those answers. And so I went to a friend of mine who was an OB, a really well-respected OB. And I said, tell me what I do with these symptoms. And what she said to me changed everything. She like looked me like there was like an intensity in her eyes. She looked right at me and she said, Mindy, I have a practice full of women with these symptoms and my medical textbooks have failed me. I do not know what to do with them. And they are showing up in droves. So I literally left that conversation and said, okay, if it's happening to every woman, there has to be something environmental. Figured out five different things that need to shift in our lifestyle as we get over 40. And that's really what the book is about. And it was a request from my following. As I talked about it on social media, they were like, okay, tell us what you're doing. And so I'm like, well, why don't I just put it in a book for you guys? So that's <laughs> kind of how it all started. No, it's it's brilliant. And I, I remember you, your, your podcast, it just, uh, the, one of the first podcasts I did hear from you, you explained that your buddies were putting their arm around you and you were just like, no, I'm not going to accept this. I mean, thank you very much for your support. And that is exactly how I feel. So um, that was brilliant. And your book talks a lot about fasting. And you're known, uh, you know, everything, if anybody searches you online, you're like the fasting queen. I love that you tailor make fasting for women. Like women are very different. Yep. And yep. so why wouldn't we fast differently too? You do mention uh, seven types of fasting though. So there's a lot to learn here, guys. There's, if you don't know anything about fasting, 
Dr. Mindy takes you step one, step two, step three, and there's a whole plan, you know, you do one before the other. I wanted to learn a little bit more because there's so many ways to fast and you can explain maybe, you know, what is the best fasting for women? And you have videos on that. So maybe before we get in my next question, why don't you share with us what is the best? How do you answer that question when somebody asks you? Let's do like a little asterisk, which is everybody needs to find the right fast for you. The first step is women need to fast differently from men. And we can chat about that, but then that doesn't mean all women should fast the same. Women have to find what's right for them. And that's why we have seven different fasts and there's options here. And it really depends on what you're trying to accomplish with your body. But the first thing to understand about fasting is that we have two ways of, of getting energy in our body. One is from the food we eat and the other is from what we call the fat we burn. It's called the ketogenic energy system. If you go back to my 40 year old self, I was just operating from one energy system. I was just manipulating food. I was calories in calories out kind of mentality. I didn't even know about this other energy system. So when I started intermittent fasting was the first thing I did. You switch yourself over to this energy system. For everybody, this is amazing. But for a menopausal woman, this is like an angel shows up because you're now all of a sudden burning energy from fat. So you're losing weight like this. You're, you're losing weight without even exercising. And as your body burns energy, what it's doing from this from fat is it makes ketones. And ketones go up into the brain. They shut your hunger hormone off. So you're not hungry. And they make your brain really mentally clear. And so you're like killing like three birds with one stone just by one action. That's how I became obsessed with fasting. I, I, I found like, I don't have to work out as much. I'm not hungry. I'm not crashing at three in the afternoon. My brain is working better and I'm still fitting into my skinny jeans. Like all of that was just lining up, which became my obsession with fasting. And you, in your book, you also described about eating a certain way too. There was, yeah, no, what I really also liked is that you lay a foundation, right? Fasting's great, but it's so much more powerful when you get this foundation, your lifestyle set. Yeah. Yeah. So how much, what's the difference? I mean, it's, it's more powerful. Is it significantly more powerful? What if somebody doesn't want to change their diet and they're on that yeah. crap diet? Like what happened? It's a great question. And because you know, on my platform alone, we like last week, my staff just told me that we did our fast training week. We had 2 million people join us, which was incredible. So we hear people's feedback. What happens is we've got the carnivores and the vegans like budding (laughs) heads. And we've got the, you know, people over here on maybe the HCG diet that are like, but what about this? And what about this? So let's just say you can take fasting and you can compare it to any diet and you will get a really good result. Now, if you pair it to the standard American diet, I mean, it's like two steps forward, one step back, two steps forward, one step back. I like to say, start with fasting and then let's work on your food. The challenge for the menopausal woman is that she is getting estrogen as estrogen declines, she's becoming more insulin resistant. The diet she used to do in her thirties is not working in her forties and she didn't make any changes. She's gaining weight. She's frustrated. So if she fasts 
and then make some simple diet changes, like a couple of keto variations that I talk about in the book, she not only makes herself insulin sensitive again, but the estrogen that's declining, she starts to bring that estrogen up. So she's really balancing her hormones out by a really good diet change to the fasting lifestyle. Yeah. I noticed that in your book too. Yeah. You can eat foods for estrogen, eat foods for progesterone. And this was, was brilliant. You know, some people are considering or on, um, bioidenticals or hormone replacement therapy. And here you are saying, well, we can balance some of these, these hormones with the right foods at the right time. And so this is why you have to get get the book and you'll know what we're talking about. Hey, I'm butting in for a quick second. If you enjoy the content brought to you in this podcast, consider supporting Hack My Age by becoming a patron on patreon.com. This is where you can drop a tip or become a member for the price of a coffee. Members get special material, free coaching, and private Zoom calls. Join us by going to patreon.com. That's P-A-T-R-E-O-N.com forward slash hack my age. Thanks for your support. Now let's get back to the podcast. Then the next question is because I just completed this intense summer course with Dr. Walter Longo for this. I'm doing a master's of gerontology and we spoke a lot about starvation, calorie restriction, and the fasting mimicking diet, which you go over in your book too. And one beef that he had is that when people are fasting, they have no idea what they're getting into and they may be doing something wrong or they're getting, not doing it right. And this is why I think a lot of people go to you as well before they even get started. Although his research is, is showing, you know, the benefits of, of fasting and, and treatments of diseases with his research lab, there's, there's really some downsides to fasting, which he's trying to correct with his fasting mimicking diet. But what are your thoughts on the risks of fasting and where can it go wrong? I've chatted a lot with Walter Longo's people about the fast mimicking diet, and, and I've looked at his work a lot. And if you look at every criticism about fasting, it lies with one concept. And that's that once people come to fasting, they do the same fast over and over and over again. And we are not meant to do like 15 hours of fasting every day. We're not meant to do one meal a a day every single day and both men and women. But now women, we need to really look at varying our fasts more. When we look at the dark side of fasting, it's that people love it. So they do more of it and they don't vary it. And that is, it's so much easier for me to stand here and say, okay, women, Everybody do 17 hours of fasting every day and you'll balance estrogen, progesterone, and testosterone. It doesn't really work like that. You need to some days do a 15 hour fast. Some days you do a 24 hour fast. Some days you don't fast. And with women in general, if you still have a cycle, you really need to not fast the week before your period because your body is trying to make progesterone. Progesterone is very sensitive to any fluctuations in cortisol. If cortisol goes up when your body's trying to make uh, progesterone, you won't have enough reserves of a, of a nutrient called DHEA. It won't be enough there to make progesterone. 
for the perimenopausal woman and the menopausal woman, that's horrific. We need it to grab on to every little bit of progesterone that we're getting to keep our calm ourselves, save our marriages, uh, <laughs> you know, all asleep again. Like there's so many reasons we need to grab onto that progesterone. It's in the variation that I think is helpful for people, but also understand there's, this is an art. There's an art to this, to understanding that. So I think that's the biggest criticism I, I see with people like Volter and other people is that they see the dark side of fasting, but what they haven't gone on to explain is there needs to be variation. Everything from hair loss to um, skin rashes to unexplained uh, you know, constipation, things like that can be avoided if you vary your fast. Yeah, and it's, it's super important. And it's something I wish more people would, would learn about, which they will if they read your book and follow what you're, what you're doing. But yes, no, it could. It's funny because when you start to fast and you get into a rhythm, you find it can get easier and easier. Oh, it gets so much easier. How is it? We're restricting food and we're not hungry because the moment, you know, first time you fast, you're like, I'm going to die if I don't eat. (laughs) Yeah. And, uh, and then you find it's easier. So then the more you do, the longer you can go. And then it can, to me, it seems like it could spiral out of control. And just because something's quote unquote good for you, doesn't mean the more, the better. This is really what I love about your message as well. And adding that variety, which you explain as well, perfectly in the book and, and the four to one concept as well. Um, and you have a couple five, five, one, depending on, you know, your needs and all that. So maybe you can explain a little bit what, what some of those, why you have that four to one and the five, five, one and the other ones that you. Yeah. So if you're, you know, if people are listening to this and they haven't fasted before, here's the way to look at it. The first thing to do is to really learn what it means to compress your eating window. So instead of waking up in the morning and eating breakfast, could you push breakfast back like an hour? And you start to get used to that change in not eating first thing when you get up in the morning. And then once you get that down, you want to push it to maybe two hours. And then your first step is, can you go 13 to 15 hours where you've compressed your eating window and you're fasting 13 to 15 hours. And then at what, let's say 13 hours, you open up your eating window and now you can eat. And what happens is the more you do that, the body becomes more fat adapted, the more you're not going to want to eat. That's the crazy part is people don't believe me when I'm like, you're not going to want to eat. Like people will tell me all the time, I can't go without food. And I'm like, give me a couple of weeks. (laughs) We're going to, we'll train you because your body was designed to be this way. So once you're at intermittent fasting, now you're ready to go into what the next step, which is what I call 511. So 511 is five days a week. You're doing 13 to 15 hours of fasting One day a week, you're going to stretch that fast. If you can get to 24 hours, that would be amazing, but just stretch it. So you're going further. You're pushing yourself to that edge where you're a little uncomfortable because that's where your body will repair. And then one day a week, you don't fast. This is what we call like a a fasting lifestyle where you're varying your fasting times. Once you have that, now you could go to like a 4-2-1 where Four days a week, you're intermittent fasting. Two days a week, you're pushing that fast. And then one day a week, you're feasting is what I call it. If this sounds crazy to you, here's what I encourage you to do. Think about what cave women did. We didn't like the cave women didn't come out of the cave and open up a refrigerator. Cave (laughs) women came out of the cave 
and was like, we have no food. We better go find some food. And so she probably sent, you know, back in those days, the men probably went off and hunted and they came back hours later with a big kill. In that time that she didn't have food, we had to have, we were humanly built with another energy system. And then when they, and so we went into this energy system and then when the kill came back, we feasted. And we ate and we probably ate for a day or two. And then we had to go back into this other energy system. That's what we're trying to, to recreate for women. It makes perfect sense too. We are designed this way and we've somehow lost it along the way. Yeah. Yes. No, it was 511. I said 551. Yeah, of course, though, you correct me with that. So, what about women who are already on bioidenticals or some kind of hormones? And, and you know, here you are trying to balance them when they're out of whack. But what if about those who kind of are synthetically or, you know, with bioidenticals, do they need to fast any differently than, than what you've proposed in the book? Here's my concern with HRT or bioidenticals. For starters, you have to decide what feels right for you. So with HRT, for me personally, I, the risks were greater than the benefits. So it wasn't really an option for me. I've seen a lot of women who've done HRT very successfully with bioidenticals. The risks are a little less it's an attractive option. I personally have chosen to do this just with lifestyle alone. But my concern when we go on medication is that we think it's a free pass through the menopause experience. It's not. You still have to change these five things I talked about. And if you don't, you are setting yourself up for disease. One of the things that I personally saw in my research on menopause is that most breast cancers, most ovarian cancers, most heart attacks, memory loss, bone density, all of that happens after in the postmenopausal years. If we lose our internal guidance system, our ability to understand what, which one of our lifestyle tools we need to change by medicating it, we are still setting ourselves up for those diseases. Whereas if we are not using those, this is why I've chosen to not use them, is if I start spotting or I start feeling kind of anxious, I know I need to make progesterone. So I stop and I lean into those progesterone building foods. I just had this happen last week. I'm at that point in menopause where I have no idea when it's coming, going, where I am. It's all, you know, it's a very huge mystery. But last week I was so hungry. And I'm like, why am I so hungry? Oh my gosh. So I just started eating progesterone building foods. I ate sweet potatoes, potatoes, the citrus fruits, tropical fruits, beans, squashes. Like I leaned into those. And within a couple of days, I started spotting. And then I started my period. And I was like, oh, that's why I was hungry. And then once my period started, the hunger stopped and I'm fasting again. So if we medicate, we lose that internal guidance system, you still are going to have to make these five changes if you want to prevent disease. That's really great advice. Yeah, for sure. Definitely. Whether you're on hormones or not hormones, the foundation has got to be there. Got to be there. Yeah. So do you think then, because there are plenty of women, I'm, I'm 50, 51, I just turned 51 and I'm, I'm not in menopause yet, but I have a lot of friends who are always asking me, you know, should I go on hormones or bioidenticals? We have mothers who had cancer and died. And so there's a lot of concern about that. And so we're 
plenty of women are on that fence. We, you know, some of us are like, oh, well, I see all the, you know, skin benefits and anti-aging benefits when you supplement with estrogen or, you know, whatever, that try to balance the hormones, but yet you're scared of the future. And so where do you think you could completely evade those supplementing with bioidenticals uh, or hormone replacement and just stick with the fasting and the diet and that will keep everything in perfect balance and perfect health? Keeping hormones in perfect balance is almost impossible. So let me, let me just start off with that. It is a moving target. The goal is to keep them in a healthy range and and work with them and understand them. I think this is the biggest thing is that women don't understand what estrogen does, what progesterone does, what testosterone. Do women know that testosterone is not a male hormone for us? It builds us muscle. It gives our, of course, it boosts our libido. It gives us motivation to work out. So I think that we have to get to know our hormones, which is what I, I tried to do in the book is really help women understand that. And then from there, there are so many natural ways you can approach this. So like, you know, women lose about um, 30% of your collagen will be lost in the first five years of menopause. But there are things you can do like supplement with collagen powder, um, red light therapy. You know, when you red light therapy on your face every morning, you can start to create uh, more collagen production. So when we medicate or we try to create band-aids for these things, what happens again is that we didn't get it. We missed the opportunity to learn how to manage this stuff naturally. And the goal is, yes, we want to look beautiful. We want to feel amazing, but we also want to be free from disease and lifestyle has to change. I think that if you don't want to medicate, know there are a lot of natural options that you can go all the way through menopause on these natural options. Yeah, I've noticed I I travel a lot in my lifetime and I've always so fascinated no matter where I go, it could be in the mountains of Bhutan or somewhere in Cambodia. And I find women who are older, that was my, you know, before the pandemic, I would just go to these populations where people are aging and I'd find the successful ones. And, and these women are not on hormone therapies. They don't have, they have very minimal signs and symptoms of, of menopause. And, you know, it's, it just doesn't occur to them. So that's the motivated me so much to say, okay, wait, we're not all doomed to be go through it. Our mothers have gone through uh, and we can somehow avoid yeah. this. So that's what I would do. So I, I know it's possible. Yeah. And I think you've definitely got the key to some of these things. So one other thing I was wondering, you haven't spoken, at least I haven't found it yet. How about, because you're the fasting queen when it comes to fasting. And what do you think about combining fasting with treatments? So with Dr. Longo, we learned about, say, you know, how the it was quite amazing what you could do with combining fasting with chemotherapy, regenerative medicine. I just got a, a PRP injection for my hip. And so I totally missed the boat on that. I said, if I ever get another one, I'm wondering, I should probably fast right before. What are your thoughts on that? Is that 
This is a great question. And I'm so glad you brought it up because I've been diving back into the research a little bit more for YouTube. And I found a study yesterday that a recent one that showed when people decided to do a five day fast and the fast that they did was actually a little more like Walter Longa's uh, fast mimicking diet. They had them do uh, restricted calories over a course of five days. When people did that, and then they made a diet change, and the diet change they had to make was the DASH diet, which is like, it's a cardiovascular diet, uh, health diet. It's more like the Mediterranean diet. They had people just make the diet change without the prelude of the fast, and they had people do this five-day fast and then make the diet change. And what they found was that when people fasted before they made the diet change, they got a better result in weight loss in immunity, in microbiome changes, in blood pressure, like the list was endless. And all they did is say, hey, I'm gonna make that diet change, but I'm going to do a a five days of fasting before I make the diet change. So we can apply this to anything. I'm going to go into surgery. Yeah. Okay. The five days leading up to that, what can we do to bring inflammation down so that you can go into surgery and be the best, the lowest inflammatory version of yourself? My dad just had knee replacement yesterday. So we'd been intermittent. He's been doing intermittent fasting. He's 84 years old and I got him intermittent fasting going into the surgery. We have stories like, oh my God, crazy stories on my platform of women who fasted before they went in for their COVID vaccine. And they were like, I didn't have any side effects if I went and fasted before the vaccine. Last year, we had stories of whole families got COVID and were symptomatic and mom was fasting, taking care of kids and husband, and she got no symptoms because she decided to go into fat and do a more fasting as the family was sick. Wow. So you could, I love what you're saying. Like you're going into PRP. Okay, great. Go fast ahead of it. Whatever biohack diet change, therapy, surgery, whatever you're going to do, if you pair it with fasting, it will accelerate your results. So what kind of a fasting? Cause there's seven of them. <laughs> like, I know. Right. <laughs> well, well, okay. So let's kind of go through some of them. So intermittent fasting, the best way to look at it is it starts lowering inflammation down before surgery. That would be amazing. So probably before something like PRP or some of the other biohacks, that would be great. 17 hours is autophagy fasting. So this is where you're making your cells more efficient and cleaning your cells up. So autophagy fasting would be a really cool precursor to like a longer detox. If you were going to go in, or maybe if you were trying to get off like alcohol or a drug, or you were trying to make a really like a sugar addiction, autophagy fasting would be great. Uh, 24 hour fast really repairs the gut. Anything, this is what we found with the vaccine and COVID was if people did anywhere between a 17 to 24 hour fast, what happens with any bacterial issue is that viruses, for example, they can't survive on their own energy. So they live off of ours. And if a virus comes into a cell that's in a state of autophagy where the microbiome is being repaired because of fasting, the virus literally dies. It cannot replicate. So if you had an exposure, somebody's sneezing next to you, bacterial exposure, if you do more 17, 24 hour fast, you're really going to help with pathogens that might be coming in your way. It really depends on what you're trying to create. 
Walter Longo basically said, okay, what if we took people going into chemotherapy and we put them in a three-day water fast? That was brilliant because what he showed was we could reset the whole immune system. So it kind of depends what you're trying to do. If you're going to do five days and then maybe some people may find it hard to do five days water fast, but maybe they can combine it with like a, a FMD type where you'd have a more calorie restricted. So long goes fat, fasting mimicking diet, I think it's about a thousand calories the first day. And then it goes down to about 700. Now he created that because it, you do get the benefits of fasting, but without food, <laughs> and it helps a lot, but it's got to be certain micronutrients and all this. So. Yeah, it's really well well set up. You know, there is definitely a strategy that he put together in Prolon. So if somebody is going for a PRP injection, <clears throat> just in case, <laughs> what kind of, so would you say a, a three-day water fast or do you think it's... Yeah, if you're fat adapted, a three-day water fast would be amazing if you're feeling good about that. If you're listening to this and you're like, I'm trying to wrap my head around 13 hours without food, <laughs> I wouldn't go into a three-day water fast and then go into, you know, PRP. I think anywhere from, if it was me, I would do somewhere between 17 to 24 hours. I love the 24 hour fast. You can get a nice groove with it. It repairs your gut. It um, brings the inflammation down. It improves GABA production in your brain. So you calm yourself down. It's a pretty cool fast. I think that's good. That's a good, good uh, in between. Just want to make sure, you know, if you do go into a surgery or into an injection or do, you know, trying to do regenerative medicine, you're like, okay, how much you know, when is it that that actually clicks? So, but if I have to do it again, I'm definitely going to try. And yeah, you know, the other thing I really liked about your book, and I'm going to wrap up soon, is Russian woman syndrome. Yep. <laughs> that was brilliant. And you yourself, you're doing it all, helping thousands of people. And you explain this in the book, which I, I thought was really nice and fair, you know, because you, you, you are doing amazing things and how do you avoid the burnout and the breakdown? And you talked a little bit about the practice vacation, which I thought was pretty cool. Can you explain a little bit what that is? So the story was that a friend of mine who's a naturopath kept recommending this book, Rushing Woman Syndrome. And I actually got to interview Libby Weaver. I don't know if you heard that on the podcast, but it was, that was a cool moment. And so I kept saying, yeah, yeah, I should read that book, but I don't have time. And then I, I thought of the irony of that. I was like, you don't have time to write a book called, read a book called Rushing Woman Syndrome. I think you need to read it. <laughs> so once I read it, the biggest takeaway I had from it, and this I think as powerful, capable women is the hardest concept for us, is just because we can accomplish a lot doesn't mean we are physiologically designed to accomplish a lot. Like when we are under a tremendous amount of stress, when we are rushing, 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 overscheduling our lives, we are literally tanking our hormones. So we need more recovery than male men do. I was raised by a can-do feminist mom. I feel like I can accomplish anything that a man can, but I also honor that my hormones need me to recover a little more. So the practice vacation came up as this idea because a friend of mine kept saying, you need to go on vacation. And I don't know about you guys, but all I could think was, yeah, I'll do that. And then I'll come back and I'll have so much work and it's not worth it. 
So she said, okay, why don't you just practice vacation? Take a day here, an afternoon there, a weekend here. Get used. It's kind of like fasting. Get used to being really intense and then really relaxed. I now have my week actually really set up that way. Monday through Thursday, or actually Monday through Wednesday, I'm like back to back to back to back. By Thursday afternoon, things start to slow down. And then by Friday, I'm chilling all the way through the weekend. So it's, it's that recovery that we need. And I think it's hard. That's a hard one, right? And because there's so much we're capable of doing and I want to do, I'm an experienced gal. I'd, I'll take experiences over anything material and on any day. So I'm like, I want that experience and that experience. I don't want to slow down, but I've learned that I have to slow down in order to uh, honor my hormones. Yeah, I'm just like you. I have to say, I'll take an experience. And in fact, you probably don't know this, but my husband and I, when the kids fled the coop, we sold our house, sold our car, we sold all our stuff. We got new thing, just nomads. And we just want to have experiences until maybe you have grandkids or something. I don't know. But for now in our lives, we love the experience and have to say it's been the most exciting part of my life. And unfortunately, COVID has put it all to a halt. But we can have other experiences. They're just going to say, right? So I'm going to ask now people who are here if they've got questions, because I know we have to let you go in about 15 minutes. You can unmute or you can type your question in the comments. Take advantage. What have you learned today? Hi, this is Samantha. Hi, thank you so much, Zora. Hi, thank you so much, Zora, for, for doing this. And um, I really enjoyed it. Um, and it just really got me thinking. And just wanted to say in the middle of listening, I texted my OBGYN and said, I want to come in and I want to look at my levels and talk about replacement options. And so um, and after this, I'm going to go to Whole Foods and buy some sweet potatoes. So thank you very much. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, I love it. You know, what, to Samantha's point, what I discovered is nobody was wanted to talk about it. It was like this dirty thing. We didn't talk about it. So it's like, I want to bring it to light. Like, come on, we got to help each other out. Like, you know, and we got to be honest with each other. It is menopause is an extreme sport <laughs> and we have got to support each other, women all over the world. And we can only support each other by us telling our own stories and our own journeys with it. Totally agree. Totally agree. I, I just am, you know, I'm one of those women you referenced that um, doesn't really know what my hormones do. And I'm so in menopause and um, confused about it. And this is just sort of my start to try and figure it out and find the right plan for me. So thank you. That's awesome. Yeah, that's awesome. You're on the right track. Interesting. You said about menopause not being talked about just the other day, I met a woman from Ireland and she said she's about 60 something. And she said, no, her friends say, shh, 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 we don't talk about the menopause. And I was like, are, are we like what? in the yeah. 15th century? What, really? I actually have a theory and I have no statistics on this. But I think if we looked at when most couples get divorced, it's when the woman's in menopause and if, or going through the process, if there's her spouse was able to understand what's happening to her brain, if she could understand what's happening to her brain, there could be better, healthier discussions amongst couples. So if we keep that lid on it, 
I mean, the consequences to everybody are huge. We all, we got to unleash the menopausal woman and give her an opportunity to, to talk about what she's feeling and give her solutions so she understands herself better. Absolutely. I think men should be in this call as well or listening to this podcast as well. Yeah, agreed. Leslie has a question about the Wiley protocol. Don't know if you covered it earlier or not. Do you think that BHRT should have different amounts on different days throughout the cycle? So I'm definitely not an HRT expert. Uh, I'm a lifestyle expert, so I do, I'm not familiar with the Wiley protocol. The only thing I would say is if you are choosing HRT, remember it's not a free pass. To You still have to make these five lifestyle changes. And what we're discovering in our community is that when, if women choose to do HRT, then we need to make sure that when she makes these changes that the OB knows, because a lot of times the medication has to be adjusted. She doesn't need as much medication because she's done the lifestyle changes. Mm, very good advice. Um, anyone else here have questions or would like to make a comment or share your thoughts? I've got another question um, and apologies because I got the timing wrong. It's 6 p.m. Madrid time, not 6 p.m. London time. I um, I was curious to know about, um, about those of us who are hypothyroid and, uh, and the menopause. Anything in particular for us, does the, does the need for hormone increase? Well, okay, so here's something th to, to think about. When we look at any endocrine gland, whether it is your thyroid, your ovaries, your adrenals, you have to remember that these glands do not operate on their own. They have to get control from the hypothalamus and pituitary in the brain. In a hypothyroid situation, what we have to ask ourselves is why is the thyroid not working well? And that is where we get blood tests to be able to tell. But the traditional blood test for a hypothyroid uh, condition is TSH, and that's it. There's about 11 different tests that I like to look at so we can see where the thyroid has gone wrong. To just give you an idea of what a normal, healthy thyroid should operate like, it's, you should get the hypothalamus should send a message to the pituitary. The pituitary sends a message to or makes TSH and TSH goes to the thyroid. The thyroid makes T4, but T4 is of no use to us. And it has to go on the liver and gut and get converted to T3. And T3 has to be able to get into the cells. So when we look at that, you have to have your brain healthy, you have to have your thyroid healthy, you have to have your liver healthy, your gut healthy, and your cells can't be inflamed. That's a lot of players. So this is why, again, if you are choosing medication, I have heard so many women say, uh, my, I got on thyroid medication and I feel no different. Well, there's a reason for that. It's because we haven't looked at the other players. And I think that's with any hormone, that's like the biggest thing to realize is that there's making a hormone, there's breaking the hormone down, and then there's being able to use the hormone. And you have a lot of organs involved in all of that. I don't know if that's helpful. I don't, I don't know why you're, you're hypothyroid. Are you hypothyroid because of something going on in, in the pituitary hypothalamus? Are you hypothyroid because of toxins in the thyroid? Is it that maybe you're making an, yeah, go ahead. I, I have almost no thyroid left. So that's, that's really the reason to supplement. 
Um, but I, you can. I always have hope you that can. I'll regrow We've seen it. it. And yeah. Um, yeah. 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 Called laser therapy, right? Yeah. And I, we have stories in our group of women that had hysterectomies where the ovaries were taken out in like their late thirties and their doctors are like, oh, you'll be in menopause pretty within a couple of, of months. And three years later, they're still making hormones like a pre-menopausal woman. That's crazy. <laughs> Wow. So yes. It regrows. The tissue and then regrow? what it does is it makes hormones. And you have to remember that there are other organs making hormones. The adrenals will make estrogen and progesterone. I just interviewed a guy on my podcast yesterday. I'd never heard this, that he said our skin makes testosterone. It's one of the largest contributors to testosterone. So other organs come in, but when you remove an organ, like if you remove a thyroid, they didn't remove all the tissue and the tissues there. And it's not like you'll grow a whole new thyroid, but you can grow enough tissue to make some hormones, which wow. is crazy. I don't know. Wow. That's fantastic. Any tips on regenerating, uh, regenerating <laughs> postmenopausal well, So, you know, if I always <laughs> like to give the free option first. So if you think about, let's clean the hypothalamus pituitary up. So more 17 hour fasting, that's where we stimulate autophagy and we start to create some cellular health in there. The more you can learn how to get into ketosis, those ketones are going to go up and repair that area. The second part I would look at is make sure you're looking at all your fragrances, your lotions, your, you know, you're living in a fairly toxic free world. So we're not damaging that part. Then the other, the food changes, I think everybody should make for hormonal health so that your, your cells can invite those, the, the hormones into them are eat the good oils, not the bad ones. Make sure you're not eating canola oil, cottonseed oil, you know, corn oil, all the toxic oils. Make sure that you're not elevating your blood sugar through refined flours all the time. So get off the refined flours, the refined sugars. And then the third thing is get away from toxic ingredients. I know here in America, we are the biggest culprits of toxic food. It's ridiculous. And unfortunately, it's infiltrating into other parts of the world, our horrible food system. But, you know, start reading labels, things, foods, you, ingredients you can't pronounce. Those are going to create cellular inflammation. And I can put you on the greatest HRT. I can put you on the greatest medication, but that's not going to get into the cell. Those food changes still need to happen. Good advice. So um, we only have a few more minutes um, left. And I do want to ask uh, one more question here. Should the fast always be broken with fat? What about porridge and fats? I can't eat avocados for breakfast. Oh, interesting. Yeah. So I love avocados as much as I love sweet potatoes. When you go to break your fast, what I encourage you to do is think about what you're trying to create with your body. Just like when you ask me the question of like, how long should people fast? What are you trying to create? So when I go to break a fast, if I break it with fat, so if you don't like avocados, you could do nut butter. Uh, you could do, uh, we have a product we love called Andrea seed oils. You could do a fat bomb of some kind, like a keto cup. If you break it with fat, what that does is that fat will kill the hunger hormone and it'll make it so you can fast a little bit longer. So if you're looking to elongate your fast, then fat, breaking it with fat is really smart. Now, if you want to build muscle, break it with protein. If you break it with protein, now you're stimulating mTOR and you're creating, you can build yourself more muscle. If you want to repair your microbiome, 
Break it with something like sauerkraut um, or something that is probiotic rich, a, a kombucha or a fermented yogurt of some kind. And now if you're like, well, I want all of that, then yes, to her point, you could do like my favorite thing is an avocado with sauerkraut. So if you don't like that, you could take some nut butter and put it on a piece of toast and that fat will still kill the hunger hormone. So you, you, it'll elevate your blood sugar, but it will help you with hunger throughout the rest of the day. So these are things you just have to play with and see what feels right. I've done a bunch of videos on YouTube about how to break a fast because that's the most popular question I get. Everyone has got to go look. You got tons of videos, honestly, answering every single one of these questions <laughs> and the book as well. So I'm going to have to let you go. So I know you've got so much to do. People can go and get consultations with you. I saw on your website or with one of your team members. Is that right? With one of my, yeah, one of my team members. Um, so you can, you can go to YouTube and binge watch all those videos. We do fast together as a community once a week or once a month. It's called our fast training week. That's free. Um, so you can find out information on that on my website. And uh, I, we have a group that we're teaching women how to fast. That's called my Academy. And then, yeah, if you need a deeper dive, I've got health coaches that can help you through that process that I've trained. You have so much to offer. I absolutely love it. I just go to the website. Um, the website is a Dr. Um, Mindy. So it's D-R-M-I-N-D-Y-P-E-L-Z.com. Um, you've also got free resources there. You give so much stuff for free. I highly recommend everyone to get the, the menopause reset and you can get that at themenopauseresetbook.com. And I'm going to have all of your information information and on Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, it's always so you made it so easy, just Dr. Mindy Pels all, <laughs> all across the board. But yeah, I have all the show notes and everything that we talked about today. I'm so grateful that you you came and that you're in our lives in <laughs> helping many, many, many women here and, and you're with us today. So greatly appreciated. Oh, thank you. And thank you for having me. Thank you for letting me have this conversation. Again, I, you know, I, I feel like we could end chronic disease. We could help so many problems that women are struggling with just from the one tool of fasting and it's free. It doesn't take time and all you need is the knowledge. So that's why I put so much information out there. If we're going to change women's health, it can't always cost something. It has to be, there has to be information that we can apply to our own lives. So I, I just appreciate the opportunity to have this conversation. So thank you. Wonderful. Well, you have a great day and I hope to have you back because I still have many more questions. <laughs> awesome. Invite me back. I'd love to come back. Thank you. Bye-bye. Hey, did you enjoy the podcast? Don't forget to subscribe to be notified of all the new episodes and leave a review to help build the tribe. It's a small act of kindness that brings me big benefits and helps others find this amazing content. The best thing you can do is share. Sharing is caring. Statements made on this podcast have not been evaluated by the U.S. Food and Drug Administration. Anything we say or products we mention are not intended to diagnose, treat, cure, or prevent any disease. Information provided by this podcast is not a substitute for personal medical advice and not intended to replace a one-on-one -on -one relationship with a qualified healthcare professional. It is intended as a sharing of knowledge and information from the personal research and experience of me and my guests.